Hey everyone. Hi, this is a bit crazy, but I'm going for this. This is the first time I've ever done a live stream on Facebook. But hey, no comfort in the growth zone and no growth in the comfort zone. So I'm going to talk to you guys today about anger and what I think about anger and my experiences with anger and why I call the session, it's time to re-embrace anger. So I'm going to give a few examples from the clinic, the clinical work as a couple of family therapists, a social worker, and also as a, as a workshop facilitator. And I'm going to start with talking, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to start straight off the bat. So a while back, I was working with a client who was sexually assaulted as a teenager in his educational organization. And we did some work on that trauma and we kind of did different types of work with it, psychotherapy work. And then a few months later, he comes back and he says, well, actually, I'm kind of angry at my parents. And what do you mean by that? He says, I actually kind of told them and they didn't really do anything about it. But it's fine. It's, I mean, it was kind of like this little tickle and it went away. And when we started working on it, I was thinking, wait, let's let's stay here for a second. Let's actually see what's happening there. And the more we dove into it, it was really hard for him to be angry at them. They did not report it. They, they actually didn't say anything. They made it go away, just like the educators that hurt him. And I was thinking about why is it so hard for us to feel anger? And that kind of brought me back to the socializations. He's, by coincidence, he's a social worker. And I was thinking about all of us, but especially the helping professions, we're socialized not to get angry. We're socialized to be a container, to embrace, to say yes, let everything in. Anger is bad. We need to, we need to modulate our feelings, modulate our effects, but we're paying a heavy price for that because anger is actually an energy source. Anger, if you will, is, is, is energy that actually is covering up um, a boundary. So when someone crosses my boundary, I feel angry. When someone takes advantage of me, when someone is doing something not right, is violating me, I get angry. And that's something that I need to learn how to express because if I don't express it, people are going to walk all over me. And if you look at the social work situation in Israel, at least, social workers are being assaulted at work they're getting paid so little, they're on welfare, okay? So social workers are working with people on welfare and they're on welfare. Now, I wanna see, I wanna say, my claim is that one of the reasons is they're not angry enough. They're not asserting their boundary. And if you look at Carl Whitaker, the father of the experiential symbolic stream of family therapy, he talks about aggression, how we need therapists or the helping professions or all of us need to re-embrace aggression because aggression is made of two things. It's made out of, hostility, wanting to hurt other people, which that obviously we don't want to do, but also it's assertiveness. And assertiveness is something we all need, men, women, helping professions, anyone. We need to learn to be assertive. We need to learn to say no. And as my friend Adrian Einstein says, sometimes saying no to someone else is saying yes to myself. Saying no to someone else is saying yes to myself. And I think that's a conceptual shift for a lot of us, especially with the more progressive PC societies and cultures we are, where it's not okay to be angry. Don't get angry. Calm down. And today in the psychotherapy world, especially in couples therapy, the attachment paradigm is leading. Attachment paradigm, we're wounded children. The, the room needs to be safe. 
safe space. If this is not a safe space, I'm not sharing. And we're always calming down. Everybody calm down. Take a breath. But actually, sometimes what I'm realizing, we need to turn up the energy. We need to actually allow anger to come out. Because along with anger will come a clarity of my boundaries. Along with anger, I can finally separate from a symbiosis that I'm in, from an abusive relationship, from a, an interaction that I'm feeling I'm being, I'm being taken advantage of. So yes, I want to include anger as, as part of my palette, as one of the choices I can do. And I want to connect that to a different experience I had in a workshop recently. I was working with educators, and we were doing this exercise about conflict. And the game was getting angry at each other. So one person says, how dare you? And the other one says, I'm sorry. And I was working with this amazing, beautiful, sensitive, aware educator. He was so sweet. And the second we started doing this exercise, it just got crazy. He, he suddenly connected to his power. He was like, how dare you? How dare you? And I was transfixed. Suddenly, this, this sweet, gentle educator had this power. And he suddenly felt bigger and more vital. And I wasn't scared. I was just swimming in the energy that he was bringing. And then it was amazing. And everyone just applauded after that. And I was amazed. I was like, where is that energy on a day-to-day basis? And after that exercise, he had to go outside and rest. And that sent me to think about the book, Who's Afraid of Lilith? By um, two rabbis, Ohad Zrachi and Rabbi Gafni. And their book talks a lot about Lilith and Eve, about women. But I'm actually going to put that aside. We'll talk about that next time. I want to talk about what they said about the, the two elements of the man. There's the Jacob and Esau. I think you say Esau in English. So two brothers, okay? But they're the archetypes of the males, of the male energy. Jacob, the innocent tent dweller, the intellectual. We can call it the metrosexual of today. Sensitive, nonviolent communication. Hmm. And Esav, Esau, who was the redhead, the hairy, the hunter, the blunt, the rude, the sexual. And he talks about there's a separation, like we've dissociated the male energy into two. So we're encouraging, in some circles at least, or at least in the helping professions, being more Jacob, or the women equivalent would be being more of an Eve and less of a Lilith. But actually what's happening is by separating these two energies, we're actually castrating the energy of these healthy professionals. So this educator, when he was doing that, when he was connecting to his Esav energy, this Isa energy, he felt this so much power, it almost scared him. And he had to sit and, and relax for 20 minutes, calm himself back into the Jacob. And obviously, if I'm thinking about it, this educator, this man, in this case, it could also be a woman, needs to integrate the two. He needs to connect to the, through the gate of anger and aggression back to his assertiveness. Because if we're only bringing one part of ourselves, anger-free, Teflon, PG-13, then what we're going to be getting are people we're going to be attracting into our lives, clients, loved ones, partners, friends, colleagues, that only like us quiet and calm. And the second we do anything else, they'll be like, whoa, that's not what I signed up for. That's not the person I love. That's not um, cool. Or you, you promised me you'd be always calm. And I'm thinking about this, that we need to, we need to know how to integrate these two. We need to, we need to stop being afraid of anger and being finding a way to channel it in and having the, the safe, not only the safe space, because it's not always going to be safe. In fact, it's not going to be safe when I bring the anger. But we need to create spaces where anger is a legitimate feeling. 
And I read one of the books about kids. Like we always try to tell our kids, don't fight, don't fight. But actually we're preparing them for a world where fighting and arguing is part of life. So instead of preventing the red, like Mirab did on her emoji, right? The, the, the red from uh, inside her, we shouldn't be preventing him. We should be talking to him. Actually, I would like to take his head and maybe make a, you know, make a barbecue with that fire. Actually use that fire for something beneficial instead of just quenching it down, throwing water on his head. And I think it's almost like non, it's like not PC to say the anger is good. Um, especially it's like for men, it's really difficult to say that because they, so many men are violent and for women to say, be more assertive by your anger, that's, that's more okay. And that's a different talk. But I think if I want to bring this all together, I think what I want to say is, I want to give one more example. I'm working with a couple now and he, he had a 60th birthday and, and she didn't give a speech. She didn't give a speech for his birthday. Um, and he didn't like that. But he couldn't really say, I'm angry at you for that. He kind of floated it up and then brought it back down. He's like, well, I didn't really like it, but, you know, I moved on. But he did move on, in fact. He was still pissed off. But here's a child, you know, who grows up in a very troublesome house where you cannot express anger. So he doesn't even float it up. So, in fact, he's not even saying yes to himself. He's not confronting her. He's not helping both of them grow. He's not showing her that there's a clear boundary here. But yes, for my birthday, I expect you to make a speech. I want that. So the anger here is not necessarily being petty or being aggressive toward her, but it's showing her that his boundaries is actually showing her we're two separate people. I have things that are important for me, and actually it's coming up like this. And if I can, if anger will stop scaring me, then I'll be inviting people into my life that can deal with that. And I won't be scared of anger. In the Mago kind of therapy language, we call it turtles and thunderstorms. So turtles, like I am originally, right? The second there's any heat, anger, we, we, we duck. We put our head back in and we avoid it. Just let's not get angry. Everyone calm down. Everyone calm down. The other opposite, like my wife, for instance, is a thunderstorm. Rawr, she just wants to get it out, meet someone, and then she can move on. They see turtles and thunderstorms, they don't meet because the thunderstorm's like, ah, the turtle's like, oh, I just want to wait to go away. But so the thunderstorm alone, and it's hard for her or him to calm down. And the turtle's just waiting for the thunder to go away. But actually what needs to happen is they need to meet. The thunderstorm needs to find a way to go a bit lower so they can meet, and the turtle needs to stick out his head. And then they meet, and then there's growth. Then both people are meeting with their boundaries, are actually signaling what's okay, what's not okay, the circle of acceptance. There's a expectations are aligned. And in fact, you might pay the price that people are saying, wow, he sometimes gets angry, but actually they're going to respect you more. And if I think about it, at the end of the day, who are the teachers and the parents that you respect? The ones that were firm, the ones you knew that sometimes get pissed off if you do something bad. The ones that are all accepting and everything is left brain intellectualists and understand. At the end of the day, you're not feeling them. You're not feeling the boundaries. Kids want to feel that. We know in Hebrew we say uh, uh, somebody against him, like an aid that's against. Not a yes man, but someone that is that is willing to meet you there and say no. And I remember about, I think, seven, eight years ago, they invited me to do a workshop for social work students. I said, if I'm going to do one workshop, it's going to be how to say no workshop. And we took 20 social work students in their second year, mostly women, 
early 20s who are working with, you know, welfare, unemployment. And we, I, we, the whole workshop was, how can you say no? And when we looked at the social work uh, manifesto, it, it says, it keeps saying, like, agree to everything, accept everything, contain everything. Like, there's no legitimacy to say no. And I'm watching these 20 women and two men were there. And they, they, no one can say no. And when they say no, they feel so guilty. But when they play, when we tell them, okay, now let's just, let's just play something different, not connected to social work. Suddenly there's this vitality and strength and presence. So I want to kind of say that anger is a, is a doorway into presence. It's a doorway into assertiveness. It's a doorway into clear boundaries. It's a doorway into respect. And we need to stop being afraid of it because it got a bad reputation because a lot of men, unfortunately, are using their angers as a hostility and not as assertiveness. And we need to re-educate. And the only way we can do it is to allow ourselves to feel angry. And once we're feeling angry, we can actually dip into that. And after, not just getting angry for angry's sake, but saying, what's the boundary here? What's not okay? What's not cool right now? And what's not cool right now is one, two, three. Why am I angry right now at you? I'll give an example. Um, My wife now is in America. And I sent her something I really wanted her to hear. And she didn't have time to listen to it. And I got really pissed off. And, and again, I was like, oh, what? I'm so petty. I'm not going to leave anything. She's in the States, blah, 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 blah. And then I, then I kind of left a message. It was, I was like a little jabby, a little passive aggressive. I said, no, no, no. I erased it. And, uh, and I, took a, I took another 20 minutes. I said, why am I angry? What's important for me here? And then I re-recorded the message. And I said, you know, when you didn't listen to that audio, I, I was really upset. I was angry. Because actually what was violated was one, two, three, these needs that I had that you weren't doing, that you weren't respecting. Now, ironically, I was using nonviolent language, but I was using it while I'm still feeling that. And I was bringing it in a state of, I'm actually going to say this. This is not a request. This is not, I'm not crossing the bridge. I'm actually saying, this is a boundary. This is what happened. And you're going to have to hear it. And if I'm lucky enough and I'm lucky enough to be in a marriage where elite is not afraid of anger, in fact, because she is a thunderstorm, that is her language, right? So she can hear that, she can see that boundary, and she can see, okay, that's what's happening right now. What's happening right now is Asael is standing a boundary, he's very, very clear. He's not asking, he's not mumbling. He's saying something that's very important for him. So if I'm bringing all this together, and for those who've joined right now, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Aggression and anger have two components, as, as Whitaker says. Hostility, wanting to hurt someone or to harm someone, and assertiveness. If we take away anger and aggression, we lose hostility, which is true, but we lose assertion. Assert. And we also lose our boundaries. And a, a lot of times we also lose a way to say yes to ourselves and to actually be very present and clear and alive and vital. And I can't tell you the amount of times I see and I hear people in clinics and workshops say, I wish my partner, my colleague would be there, would actually meet me, would be clear where he or she stands. Because if I'm not clear, we go into mind reading. Mind reading is when people are trying to understand what I'm saying because I'm smoke screening what I'm actually meaning. So if I'm going back to the husband about the birthday that he was upset, he didn't really say it. So he was kind of passive aggressive. So his wife was like, what is she thinking about? So she goes into mind reading. And then she's getting upset because she's, she's interpreting it differently. He's not understanding why she's not respecting what I'm saying. So this whole thing, instead of being clear and 
having a little Lilith Asav moment, goes into Jacob Eve mode. Everything goes passive aggressive. Everything goes under the table. We're wasting a lot of energy, a lot of frustrations, and there's no growth. Part of the growth is to stand in the heat, what we call the crucible, which is a different talk, and meet there. And today my colleague um, Oli said, part of an of exciting thing of a relationship or a marriage is not just celebrating what is, but it's also seeing what isn't in our marriage, in, isn't in our relationship, and just holding that space. And if I think about it, it's like when I told my wife that boundary that she didn't listen to that audio, there was a sense of excitement there. I took a risk. I made a statement. I made a stake here. I said something to her. And I was kind of anxious and nervous and how is she going to react? And But there was a sense of growth there. If I'm reflecting on that now, by focusing on what there wasn't, I actually stepped into, into the crucible, into the relationship with her. And I showed her that what's happening is affecting me. And in fact, I have a voice. And if you go back to Estelle Perel, who talks about intimacy and eroticism, I want to come, come at this at a different angle. She says intimacy is a sphere of security, repetition, familiarity. But eroticism or passion or libido requires difference and strange, like being strangers to each other, power, action, energy. So by defining ourselves, by differentiating ourselves a little bit more, we're actually increasing the energy, the erotic potential, the, libid the libidinal potential, the creative potential, because if we're the same person, there's no energy. But if we separate and we have clear boundaries, there's a space that we need to, there's something I can yearn for, right? If we're like this, if we're like this, there's nothing to yearn for because we're, we're together, we're enmeshed, we're enmeshed, as we call it, or symbiotic. The second we're dif differentiated by clear boundaries, using anger or whatever, I can yearn for that. And she can see me as different than when she sees me as separate, she can actually want me. She can respect me. You can say, oh, okay, he's got something to say. Going back to the social workers, they're on welfare because I guess people say, they, they don't say no to anything. They'll take anyone. If I compare that even to, I'm thinking about the metaphor of psychologists in Israel, they're saying no all the time. They have tons of rules and limitations. The only things that they can do and they won't do everything and they're not getting, they're not on welfare. So this is actually, if you can look at it as a symbolic, as a symbolism of, the, so, the extreme socialization of the healthy professions, of the Jacob and Eve-ness of these people, it's actually hurting us because people don't see our boundaries. People think that everything's kosher. Everything can go. So if, as you're reflecting on this, and then I'll, and I'm finishing up here and I'll take some questions, think about your own life. Where can I express anger? Um, first of all, what was I taught as anger? Complete the following sentence. My parents always told me, or in my house, anger was non-existent, good, bad, negative, a sign of being uneducated. So first think about that, and then, and then complete the following sentence for yourself. Anger for me today is, and maybe also complete the next two questions. I'll actually write that down as well, is I'd like to use anger more for, or a moment in my life where I didn't use anger and I should have, and maybe also do a moment where I expressed anger and I shouldn't have. I'm not saying that anger is always good and you should always express what you're feeling in the moment. But the second we're not scared of anger, we can actually see it's actually a really, really good tool for personal and relational growth. So let me see if there's any questions. Thank you all for listening. This is cool. What was the actual boundary you were communicating to your wife? My boundary, which is really interesting. Thank you, Mr. for that question. It was a need that if I ask you, to listen to something that's important for me, um, I need you to do that. 
And it, the truth is it also clarified a boundary for me that I wasn't really clear. I was smoke screening it because it was actually really important for me, but I kind of just put it out there and said, what do you think about it? And I guess the first, I was saying, first of all, yes to myself that yes, this is important. This audio that I sent her is important. And actually this is a very important project for me. The audio is a podcast that I started. I'll give you more detail about that different later, but it's like, so first it was a boundary for myself. Yes, this podcast that I'm launching is important for me. And actually the boundary is I want my wife to be on board and I need her support. And I was actually, I was, I was afraid of, of saying that clearly. So that was my boundary. And I think for Galit, the boundary I gave her was, I need you. I can't do this alone. And actually I need you right now. In this case, the boundary is I need you to actually come into me, cross that boundary. The boundary is actually the boundary of coming in. So I hope that answered that. Let me see if there's any other comments. Anybody else have a question before we, we wrap this bad boy up? All right. So if there's no other questions, I really want to thank you guys for listening. And I'm going to feel free to ask me questions or leave feedback on the bottom. And I'll be very clear, uh, happy to answer more questions or continue this conversation later. Thanks a lot. Goodbye.